Oh no, it's the one I was gonna do. Ah, rude, super rude. Ah, oh, sad. All right, so I'll just do that. It might be groaning. I must be doing something right. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you took. You did exactly what I hoped you wouldn't do, which is take the piece that I wanted. That's all right, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we tap our inner grandmas to craft a quilt on the clock in Patchwork. Next up, we shuffle and flip our way through the ages as we world build head-to-head -head in Seven Wonders Duel. And lastly, it's an apprentice showdown as we repair machines to become the new head of the Dream Factory in Nicodemus. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-old gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hi, guys. Want a game? And Mike Grenier. Fear is the mind killer. Our first game up this week is Patchwork Halloween Edition, designed by Yui Rosenberg. Published by Lookout Games in 2014, Halloween Edition 2021. Number of players, 2. Ages 10 and up. Playtime, 30 minutes. <gasps> okay, Mike, what's in the box? The cover of the box shows a proud pumpkin whose skin is a creepy quilt of spooky print patterns like ghosts. Bones, tombstones, jack-o'-lanterns, and the ever-frightening filigree pattern. No! Not filigree! Inside, you'll find a time board, two player boards, two time stones, a meeple, 33 patches of varying shapes and sizes, five special patches, a bonus tile, and 50 buttons, or in this case, eyeball tokens. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we piece together this review, Evan, thread through some rules. Patchwork is a tile placement game where two players compete to build the most aesthetic, high-scoring, and wacky, Halloween-themed, patchwork quilt on a personal 9x9 game board. The goal is to have the most buttons, or as Mike said, ghoul eyeballs, <laughs> at the end of the game. Those are your victory points, folks. Now, on a turn, a player either purchases a patch... Or passes. To purchase a patch, you pay the cost in eyeballs shown on that patch. You must also move the spool to that patch's location in the circle of patches. And once you've paid for the patch in buttons and time, because it costs time, place the patch to your personal game board. The player furthest back on the time board always goes next. Some patches yield bonus buttons. Bonus! Bonus. bonus! And there are bonus buttons and helpful one-by-one -one patches to be collected along the time track as well. Mm -hmm. You'll need those because at the end of the game, any blank spaces on your patchwork quilt are worth, what, Mike? Negative Negative. Negative points. So, so many negative points. Oh. So, so many. I'm glad you said that, Celeste. So, S-E-W, let's play. <laughs> See how I spelt that? So you get oh, the... Yeah, love yeah. it. I love did that it. for you. Nice. In this case, you weren't sewing, though. You were just kind of sliming eyeballs along the track. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. I think this Halloween theme was a little shoehorned on top of this game. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, the original one was just... A, no, 
you're making a fun quilt. And then right. there are several editions of this game. But the latest one that came out just this year, Halloween edition. Right. And, yeah. Hey, it's kind yeah, of fun. Why not? Theme. I like the color yeah. scheme of it, though. I thought I thought it was kind of a cool color scheme for the Halloween stuff. Uh, the orange, it's the orange purple themes and shades that yeah. really yeah. sells it. It's your basic Halloween hodgepodge of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, the, the kind of clip art you'd find <laughs> for Halloween. I'm sure the artist is really mad at you right now for saying that. <laughs> I guess the reason I'm saying it, though, is because I think the original theme works really well. Mm-hmm. Patchwork using a quilt theme for the very familiar mechanic of Tetrising together board pieces was a good fit. You mm-hmm. know, that's, I guess, why I think the Halloween thing might be a little bit pushing it. Mm. But there's there's a bit more going on here, right, Ed, um, with the board? Well, I think the other thing that's somewhat tricky in this game is now not just you're putting together a spatial puzzle, but there's an economy here as well. The buttons or eyeballs mm-hmm. um, are needed to buy the pieces, and you need to have income of eyeballs in order to be able to buy them. So you kind of want to get the high button pieces to get as many buttons coming in as possible, but they mm. probably cost you a lot of buttons or a lot of time. Mm. And you only have so much time on the track before you can't do anything anymore. Hmm. I don't think I can place any more of these. I think I'm just going to have to. Yeah, you know, you got no space to place anything. You need to just advance. I think I hit advance. All right. Wait, Ed won? How? Because uh, I had, I filled in my board more. <laughs> I don't understand. I, lost I got my... minus 12 points. Yeah. Actually, I got minus 14, you got minus 44. Oh, minus two points for every space you leave empty. Oh, well, that sounds kind of important rules-wise, don't you think? Yeah, it is. Yep, yep. <laughs> wow, glad we found that out at the end of the game. Sounds like somebody wants to propose a rematch. Such a clever mix of movement and um, control for the board because you can move ahead and get a bunch of resources, but then you have burned through a lot of space on the board and have less space slash time to play the game than the other guy yeah mm-hmm. i was pretty good at tetris but i always like to keep things neat and you kind of have to throw tetris away in your mind here a little bit even though the pieces fit together in that sort of way they're longer bigger for the most part than tetris or even some of them are a little smaller and if you just think of it as a spatial puzzle you're going to really miss out on the really important part which is the management part how how so mike well, because if you don't manage your eyeballs correctly, like if or if you move on the board too fast like I did, you're going to run out of spaces to move on the board and you'll end your game before you fill up your whole board and you end up with a lot of negative points. Yes, Ooh. hence the complexity on top of the Tetris game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a nice addition. We played another Tetris game. We've played so many of these type of games, but one recently was My City, which really lacked that level, you know, that extra mm-hmm. level of complexity. So... I thought the movement board was a really nice addition. And the time track does give you a few advantages for being first. Uh, The first one is, well, when you cross an eyeball, you get income or a button. And then the other one is there's little one-by-one passage on the time track, and it only goes to the first one to reach that space. They're so handy. 
It's like, ah, it just perfectly fills in that little empty spot. And I feel so much better. (laughs) Anybody who knows me knows that I love efficiency. And so I was building my board so tight and efficient that when I did come across those little one pieces, they were just in my way. I didn't know what to do with them (laughs) because I was already planning them out of my constructed area. That was just so funny because I was like kind of desperate for them because I was kind of a little more haphazard with my placement. <laughs> yeah, one yeah. might say one might say that was inefficient, Mike, in that you weren't considering those pieces that you were going to come across. I mean, ex- that's exactly it. You know, my my need for like neatness and symmetry and all that hurt me. And I and thinking of this game more like Tetris and less like a resource mm-hmm. management actually hurt me in in this one. So really, you uh, kind of lost the spirit of this uh, Halloween no. edition patchwork <laughs> no, game. So yes, nice. continue with the All uh, right, important so discussion. Speaking of the difference again between the <laughs> Halloween and the basic edition, we both we all play this game. It's a two-person game. So Ed and Mike, you guys play together, I assume? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Evan and I could not connect to play, so oh, I ended no. up mm. playing... I ended up just playing a game with a rando online, and oh. we all played on Board Game <laughs> Arena, which I have to say was okay board game arena is a is a place where you can go and play a game for free and there's lots of games that are you know hot off the press new games modern games but what's really neat is in this case and in the case of of several other games i've seen when there is a holiday edition they will switch on board game arena to the holiday edition of the game Mm -hmm. and then come back to the regular so you guys were able to play the holiday edition online, but by the time I got around to playing it, it was back to the regular game. Oh, they don't offer both, huh? I didn't see I it. I think they do, but it's a drop down for it in the setup. Ah, you have to. Well, yeah. it's a really nice feature of Board Game Arena to offer multiple editions like mm-hmm. that. That is mm-hmm. a really nice feature. It is. Yeah. During the season, they probably showcased the yes. Halloween edition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's still there to be had, but it's not the. they don't put it on the front shelf in the yeah. off season. Mm-hmm. And maybe they have the Christmas one coming out, but a Thanksgiving one. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Christmas patchwork. <laughs> that, at least that makes a little more sense. I mean, I think more people are making Christmas quilts than Halloween quilts, but... You know, Frankenstein was stitched together out of all kinds of different parts, and they didn't even feature Frankenstein in this. I think they missed an opportunity. There. Yeah, they totally did. <laughs> well, they got his eyes in there yeah, or something. Yeah. No bolts. <laughs> One of the great benefits of Board Game Arena is that it helps you with rules. It locks the rules in, and it often shows you the rules as you're playing. It shows you the rules that you need. But Mike, you're, you didn't like that here, right? I mean, I wouldn't say I didn't like it because it did help, you know, having the setup and all that stuff. But I feel like the game kind of buzzed past me too fast because it was too easy to make my choices without really like sweating. You know, I'm like, oh, that piece is going to fit there and I'm going to, you know, it's going to look all neat and efficient. But there was like no toiling for me over the cost of it because it told me if I could afford it or not. Right. I think one uh, downside for our play, Mike, is that we kind of, just jumped into it. Yeah, we, we really did. We really did steady. To, we didn't do our homework necessarily. I played this before, so I just thought, I remember it, everything. I can do it as I go. And mm-hmm. it, it, what was interesting is that center board is so prevalent when you play person to person. But I almost forgot about the center board playing on board Game Arena. I didn't even look it, at it. It just handled for us. I didn't have to move no pawn. It moved yep. it for me when I picked up a piece and placed it. Yep, mm-hmm. and that's I think that's why I kept getting surprised when I had the little one-by-one squares to throw on my board. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. 
<laughs> you know, you didn't realize that, that, you, that where you were on the little movement board. Exactly, I didn't even have but to really. But if look you're at playing it. in person, you see that 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 time track right in the middle of that circle mm -hmm. of tiles, yeah. and you'll be like, "Well, I obviously draw my eye to this. I should pay attention to it." Right. Exactly. Yeah. Tip tip for board game arena first time players is mm -hmm. look at that center board. Right. It's very yeah. very important because I ended up with a beautiful seven by seven square, perfectly fit into the bottom with left the corner. Oh, bonus points! <laughs> Mike, was I was obsessed. all about those seven points. Right. Seven <laughs> yeah. bonus points for yep. the seven by seven square. I'm yep. gonna own this game. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And all it did, all it did, was draw my focus away from the real points. Yep. <laughs> And yep. the other guy just <laughs> trucked on past while I'm like wedging in my perfect square. Yeah. Did you know Rando our, beat you? Oh, oh I had oh, like, yeah. like honest, I had that perfect thing and I had it set up where I could fit a whole bunch more pieces in. And then the game ended because that last piece I put in fit in so nice. It ended my game and I ended up with a score of negative 12 to positive 11. <laughs> <laughs> I was wow. so psyched. I thought I was winning. I was like, I didn't this is quite that bad. It's so funny because you did have such a perfect square, but I, I, I didn't know. I kind of like had a hard positive stuff, but I yeah. covered more spaces, so I had fewer yeah. negative points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The truth is, if you spend your time trying to get that seven by seven square, I mean, you're absolutely going to run out of time. Mm -hmm. before you can get enough points. I don't know who is get, getting <laughs> that 7x7 seven seven square and then winning based on that. Who is yeah. doing that? After don't my score, bother, I don't know. People. Do Phil, not don't pay attention bother. to the shiny object. Take the yeah. biggest <laughs> pieces you can possibly find and jam them in wherever you can fit them, and then you'll win. <laughs> kind of funny. The MacGuffin's the trap. I'm just curious. In the rule book, is that particular bonus called the sucker's bonus? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the I lucky it, seven by seven bonus. Yeah. The I like the I like the MacGuffin trap. <laughs> I like that it's the MacGuffin trap. <laughs> I always, oh. Yeah, I didn't win the game, but I got I got to hold the MacGuffin. <laughs> I was proud. I don't care. I lost, but I was proud of my board that I built. It, it went pretty. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury patchwork. Halloween edition or regular edition, <laughs> Mike? Well, Patchwork lets you build a puzzle for yourself and then try to dig your way out of the mess you've made. Despite the abrupt ending, I think I would give this another go. It's worthwhile for me. Dig it up. Ed? I played the original version in person and now this new edition online. It's a simple game that presents you with a fun and challenging spatial and economic puzzle. I'll dig this up for the pumpkin patch. <laughs> well, when you have a game with such familiar mechanics as these, you really have to win me over on theme and style. And sadly, this one just did not have enough to enthrall me. So I'm going to say bury it in the hope chest under all those lovely real quilts. Which theme would you dig up? Buttons or eyeballs? Let us know. <laughs> we are at Wish Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey guys, we are tapping our audience to help us with the firsties this year. That's right, Celeste. We are tapping our audience now to give us their feedback because we're preparing for the firsties award, the third what? annual. The firsties award? Yay! The Firsties are our annual awards show in which we are going to name the best game of the year, the worst game of the year, along with a whole host of other categories from all the games that we played during the course of 2021. 
So Explorers, we want to hear from you. Let us know what your favorites are for the Firsties this year. Go to our Discord and let us know there or right at our website, witchgamefirst.com. We are at witchgamefirst on all social media. If you want more content from our show, just go to our website and become a supporter today. It's only $3 a month and you get our exclusive patron-only podcast, Bonus, bonus points. points. Pointing at you. <laughs> and thank you to all our patrons, and thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you, patrons thanks. and everyone. Our next game up this week is Seven Wonders Duel, designed by Antoine Bauza and Bruno Cathala, published by Repos Productions in 2015. Number of players, two. Ages 10 and up. Playtime, 30 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us. What's in this epic box? A stoic Spartan lord and a wizened Egyptian queen stand back to back, <laughs> each facing the industrious workers, fleets of powerful ships, and battle-ready warriors of their respective nations. Inside you'll find a game board, 23 age 1 cards, 23 age 2 cards, 20 age 3 cards, 7 guild cards, 12 wonder cards, Four military tokens, ten progress tokens, a conflict pawn, 31 coins, a score book, and a handy help sheet. And that's what's in the box. And now, my loyal masses, behold Evan with the Monument of Rules. Seven Wonders Duel is a hit. <clears throat> Speak up! Speak up! We can't hear you! Seven Wonders Duel! <laughs> Explosion. Heaven, heaven, heaven. It's a head to head. Wow. This is this is This better Oscar be a good or, game or, after this. Yeah, no. We're we're gonna win a Grammy for finest recording of the season. Um Seven Wonders Duel is a head-to-head card game resembling its parent game, Seven Wonders. That's right, which we reviewed back in 2018. The game takes place over three ages, which means three decks of cards laid out one age at a time. Each player drafts four wonders that can be built during the course of the game. Construct a wonder to unlock special abilities. For each age, the deck is displayed as a pyramid with rows of cards alternating face up versus face down. Players will go back and forth taking one card at a time from the pyramid. A player can only take a card that is not covered by others. Any face-down cards get turned up as they are set loose. Each card that you acquire can be built, discarded for coins, or used to construct your wonder. The cards provide raw materials or are used to advance military or scientific development to help complete those wonders. And some cards yield immediate VPs. Players can purchase resources at any time from the bank, but the cost is tied to your opponent's resource capabilities, so things can get very expensive very quickly. A player can win Seven Wonders Duel in one of three ways, militarily, scientifically, or just by having the most victory points at the end of the game. Wunderbar! Wunderbar! And the crowd goes wild. Uh, <laughs> well, we we play this game on Board Game Arena. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. thank you, Board Game Arena, for the rules locking. Yay. I would have hated, hated <laughs> to do this game in IRL for the first time oh, without yeah. 
being able to learn as I played, which was the only way. And holy cow, Board Game Arena told you everything. It like did. you just mouse over a card and like an entire page came mm. up to tell you, this is what you can do with this card. This is what your opponent can do with this card. Wow. This is what this card is going to mean later. This is what this card is going to mean at your 20th high school reunion. I mean, it <laughs> told you everything. Now, someone spent a lot of time programming all of those things into every single piece in this game. You're right, Celeste. It was very detailed. It is a duel, so it's two on two. Yep. Evan and Ed, you guys played. We did. Yep, we did. Mano a mano. You can watch <laughs> it at Which Game First at, on our YouTube channel. The video is there. Ooh. Or should I say, the evidence of victory. Oh, <laughs> yes. Good job, Evan. <laughs> science. Oh, did you win the science way? No. no. I, would no. Go, I would go for the science victory, but... Uh, Hey, Evan saw it. He snipped up that last card right when it flipped up, and I went, no! <laughs> yes, yeah, that is an interesting part of this game, I think. The most interesting for me were the face-up versus the face-down cards. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that because you can only flip it face-up once it's revealed, you in a way have a chance to b- really block your opponent from being able to utilize those cards and minimize their options. A big, mm-hmm. big part of this game. Yeah, it's kind of a competitive card drafting game, and you're you're building an engine at the same time, so you got both aspects. But the choice of where you pick it from the pyramid is an interesting way of doing drafting. Right, because you have to draft through a couple of cards, it seems like, to get to one that you might really want. Oh, I know, I know. (laughs) And you're so at the mercy of the flip, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes you could see the card coming, and you're like, yep. yeah, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get. It. I'm gonna. I'm gonna arrange right. this. I'm gonna buy just the right thing. I'm oh, gonna cash in just yeah. the right thing. It's there. I can see it. I'm gonna get it. And then <laughs> it's so satisfying too, because you can kind of almost predict. Like, okay, Evan's gonna go for this yes. card. So if I take this, he'll take that, and this will leave me that juicy goodness available for me. Yeah. Meantime, you end up flipping another card, and it's even better than the one you're gearing for. And either and and Evan cashes it in, and that changes everything, or it just totally uh, yep. dumps it from the board, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it is an it's an agonizing, fun, exciting, uh, sort of like up and down emotional roller coaster going through these ages. I mean, somebody can grab the card you really, really want and just toss it for money too. Yes. Like yeah. Or use it to build a wonder. Uh-huh. But these cards are very nicely detailed. I have to call oh, out yeah. the art on the card. I thought yes. mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. a really nice, nice wrist colors, well detailed. It is a very nice looking game. And I think I would like to play in real life now that I mm-hmm. learned the game online. Mm-hmm. But Ooh. I would strongly recommend to anybody who's interested in this game to go to Board Game Arena and play through it. Uh, a few times because it is a great way to learn the game before you buy it and mm-hmm. even if you're not a premium player like on board game arena you can play this game even premium games like this one for free all you got to do is wait around for a premium player to show up and want to play with you and for me it only took three minutes wow i'm but- sure that those premium players really want to find other people to play with them since they're so invested in the site anyway right yeah so I have a question about the game since I actually didn't get to play. I've seen other people play it, but um, are all the cards used every game or are some of them kind of left out so you're not sure what might flip over when you flip? My understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, is that all the cards 
are used. There are there is there are none thrown out because it's not like there's a modification for three, four, or five players. It's always two. Uh-huh. Right. I I honestly not a hundred percent positive because uh, I haven't played uh, actually had to set up a game of this, so I don't know if there's any no thing taken out. I can say for certain that there are different wonders that are going to be available because there's twelve wonders. Mm-hmm. Um, and only eight are going to be available each game. Ah, okay. And only seven of those eight are going to get built. So the the four that you pick, you want to try to get all your four because if you only if if they get their four done first, you're only going to build up the three. I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. I'll construct the wonder. Might as well put it to bed, right? Get my nine victory points. That's big. Yep. Now that's the end. Does that mean game over now? Because no, we have seven wonders. I can't build anymore. I can't build my wonder. I I blocked you out of your last wonder, Ed. Yep, that's it. How bad was that for you? That was oh, I mean, it was okay. That was right. <laughs> You're being too modest in in your devastation, Ed. You have to uh, emote. You, you, you have think to, so? Uh, you have to. You have to. You have to cry in agony with your hands up, your mouth open, <laughs> God's above. Yes, more like that. Okay. Something more like that is much that's, more That's what you were looking for, okay. Yeah, that's the depth I was actually going for with the, uh, okay, blocked okay. you out of any chance of a seventh one. It took a little bit to figure out exactly how I was using the <laughs> cards sometimes. It's like, how come I can use this one to build a wonder, but, uh, this one I can't. And that was a little bit tricky, but if you really paid attention and read everything, it it's all there for you. You can figure it out. The only caveat is you are under a timer. So if you're playing with a random person like me, I was a little bit worried about spending too much time. Mm-hmm. I didn't want, you know, to upset a stranger <laughs> with taking too long. Never play oh, with you wait, again. Are you saying there's an artificial timer of the other person's ire for how long your turn is It's taking? the BGA three-minute. Uh, yeah, okay, there's like okay. a three-minute turn. <laughs> and and in this game, when you're learning, I mean, three minutes goes by. Oh, yeah. Pretty fast. Yeah, but didn't you feel, though, that the game, even though, and Ed and I were playing it online for the first time, and we were learning, we still got it done in the box time of 30 minutes, which oh my God. I thought yeah, was absolutely. great. Which I thought was good. And in fact, I believe the advertised time on BGA itself is 20 minutes. Uh, for this game. No, it was 12 minutes. 12 and minutes, Ed yeah. And I realized that, yeah, it takes 30 minutes first time playing, but but you can jump right back into your second or third re- time playing this game, and you can tell that the game will go much quicker. I think it helps in a game like this where it's, you have a lot of potential choices to make, but there's not a lot of different things you do with that choice on your turn. You kind of just pick a card and use it. Right. And Board Game Arena tells you how you can use it, too. Which is really helpful, yeah. Yes. So you're not trying to figure out, okay, this is going to interact with that later and, you Mm -hmm. know, stuff like that. So Ed tried nailing me on the scientific path, which Uh meant that uh, he was collecting the most different (laughs) kinds of scientific (laughs) tokens. And I believe there are seven overall, Ed, and you need six to declare instant victory? Yes. And uh, I mean, plus every time you get a pair of no scientific advances, you can get one of those little special achievements or nice little um, one-time use powers that are mm-hmm. could yep. be like, it could be like an extra turn, 
It's See, good. I mean, that's the reason I screamed out science because I know that when we <laughs> played regular uh, Seven Wonders with Ed, he often goes for the science victory. Yeah, I do too. The, the military victory is, is also very interesting. There's three different ways to win this. I think it's another thing that's cool about this. Mm. I know. I was trying. I was really trying for the military <laughs> victory. But it's a push and pull, Ed, and I didn't right. realize that. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like a tug of war. It's an arms yeah. race. Yeah, for sure. Once somebody goes in military, it just becomes a thing. <laughs> Ed said with the science, I thought you just six and you get instant victory. But what it is, is you got to be six more than six the ahead. other guy. Right. Correct. So That's right. This person, I was going for the, the military, 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 but this person was right on my tail. Every time I got near it, they bought a military card. That's yep. right, because he couldn't afford to get too far behind you, because it mm-hmm. does take, especially when you get like the second and the third age, you're going to reveal some cards that are pretty darn powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And, and just winning on the tug of war gets you some victory points. If you keep pushing, they lose money. That's right. So it's costing it's your opponent money. To, to be losing the battle. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it is, and it was so satisfying just cashing in cards you knew your opponent wanted. Oh, yeah. Nah, let's just take uh, that yeah. one off the board. <laughs> yes, <laughs> strategic blocking. Yep. Yeah, that was so good because because you got paid. You didn't just block them; you got paid yeah. to block them. <laughs> yeah, it's like reward for your bad behavior. I like that. Yes, there's <laughs> always utility in every card. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That actually is different than the regular Seven Wonders, where sometimes you kind of just overdo one thing and it doesn't do anything for you or whatever this right. one seems to have since it's a one-on-one duel a lot tighter of a structure yes i agree and also i think you can play both of these on board game arena there's two new expansions for pantheon which came out in 2016 and agora which came out in 2020 Ooh, it add more stuff to the game and i like more stuff not that it needed more. I thought there was plenty here and so many paths and lots of replayability, definitely. Yeah. So it's nice to know that there are these expansions, you know, for uh, for those who want them. I could see people obsessing over this game and playing it over and over again, which means they'd really appreciate some expansions eventually. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Seven Wonders Duel. Evan? Seven Wonders Duel has a lot of things to admire. Revealing those face-down cards, the strategies for limiting your opponent's choice, many paths to victories, and it's a good-looking game. Plays in 30 minutes or less, just for Celeste. (laughs) A very good head-to-head game. Dig it up. Ed? I was first introduced to this game a few years ago, and it still intrigues me with its drafting pyramid and its different path to victory. I'll dig this up for another duel for wonders. A pure card flipping pleasure on Board Game Arena. And I <laughs> do strongly recommend starting there. I lost and would gladly have lost three more times just for the joy of learning as I played. Dig it up. Which path will you take for victory? Military, science, or veeps? Let us know. We are at which game first. Our last game up this week is Nicodemus, designed by Bruno Cathala and Florian Syriax. Published by Bombix in 2021, number of players 2, ages 14 and up, playtime 45 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us, what's in the box? The cover of the box shows a very wise old Gandalf-esque man 
but with a steampunk touch, hooked up to a <laughs> bunch of gears that must be racking his brain for his amazing dreams of monkeys and lions also wearing <laughs> goggles. <laughs> <laughs> um, inside the box, we find 56 machine cards, 12 charcoalium, 24 resource cubes, one board known as the Bric-a-Brac, 17 project tiles, two assistant tokens, two wooden tokens, and a first player token. And that's what's in the box. Before we save, you should tinker with this game. Evan, uncover some rules. Nicodemus is it? No, <laughs> Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Is it? <laughs> Could be. We don't know. <laughs> it is, well, <laughs> Nicodemus is a card game where each player competes to repair machines and complete projects so that they can become the next great Nicodemus Gideon, who is apparently retiring. And there's some kind of backstory, but that's for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so be the first player to score twenty or more points. And win. The two players must block one another repeatedly, with advantages swinging one way, then the other, with the slightest mistake possibly being fatal to your chances. On a turn, you have a choice of two actions. Play a machine card from your hand to the bric-a-brac to earn charcoalium, <laughs> produce a resource, or apply the effect of the machine. And then you can repair a machine from the bric-a-brac to score points and place this machine in your workshop. Each resource indicated in the production zone of machines in your workshop reduces the number of resources needed to repair subsequent machines. Additionally, repairing a machine can help you complete specific projects and win points. Well, victory points. Yeah. Now, enough idle chatter. Let's get this review off the assembly line and out the door. <laughs> Let's wind up this review and yes, get it cranking. There you go. Let's wind it up. <laughs> exactly. And see what it does. Back oh. away. Oh, man. <laughs> Evan and I are going to wide-eyedly ask questions. Yes. Mike and Ed, you guys played the game. How much, first question, mm-hmm. how much did the backstory play in? <laughs> Please. I mean, definitely <laughs> Wait, Nicodemus the Great. Yeah, Okay. Wait, you're an apprentice in the Dream Factory. Yeah. The Dream Factory. <laughs> the dream, the so, dream Factory. Oh, I think the biggest part where that theme hits is in the art. Yeah. The art is highly detailed, almost photorealistic, but weird and almost nonsensical. <laughs> weird. I feel like it's a. it was a good idea for them to make the art weird and nonsensical and, and strange because it's a nice way to make it abstract game seem less abstract i guess <laughs> i don't I, how could i say this differently they don't have to worry about making a cohesive theme because it's in the dreamlands you know? yeah. oh that's a good way of summing that up yeah yeah and it's clearly taking place in the dream because no, i've never seen a goose that's actually a teapot or is it a teapot that's a goose i'm not even oh, sure i'll yeah. get you one for christmas yeah. Yeah. Some other examples are there's like this machine where it's robotic on the bottom, but like human hands on the top. It looks like it's like reaching down to grab stuff or there's a bird with some sort of like musical instrument on it. It's back. I don't know. <laughs> factory on its back. The bird factory. 
A yeah. factory, yeah. And there's a snake wearing an Arabian crown. And, <laughs> yeah, right. it's well. it's really out there stuff. Wow. Mm-hmm. These yeah. game designers but, have some interesting dreams. I'll just say that. <laughs> and that, that is but exciting. The, this, this is the dream factory you're working with. And, now, mm-hmm. and you're trying to repair part for the Brickerback. And it almost <laughs> makes me wonder if there's an IP involved here. Because it seems like detailed names that just don't mean anything to me. But as far as mm-hmm. I can tell, I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the word bric-a-brac and kind of I think of it as like a whatchamacallit, you know, like mm-hmm. MacGuffin. <laughs> the who's it who's a what's it right, exactly. <laughs> it's so photorealistic that I almost wonder if it isn't altered photos combined mm, with drawings. That is what it looks like to me. Beautifully mm-hmm. done, mm-hmm. beautifully oh. done. And I think it bears... Um, Shouting out the artist who is Felidius Babastis. What a name. <laughs> wow, it's a Felidius very bombastic Babastis. name. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, sound, it sounds like it belongs in this dream world. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is the kind of art you would expect from a guy with a name like that. Unless that's his dream name. <laughs> yeah, we may yeah that's know. true. It could be his dream name. His, <laughs> uh, but I mean, some of that stuff was clever, but I thought like charcoalium. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, you could have done better than that. <laughs> I mean, with all the creative, weird, cool stuff that's going on, having your currency be charcoalium was kind of like eh, a little lazy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're trying to make it more fanciful than just saying charcoal. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's supposed to be that era where it's that steampunk era, so it's mm-hmm. the 1800s, but it's also, you know, futuristic, so right, charcoal. Right. Liam. How do we, yeah, right. Exactly. How do we, (laughs) how do we futurize this? How do we science this thing up a little? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at least it's not onomatonium. I mean. I know. That's right. That's true. God, Ed beat me to it too. That was the next thing out of my mouth. Onomatonium. (laughs) We've obtained onomatonium. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I forgot what that's from. What is that from? Oh, that's Avatar. That's from. uh... Oh, no. <laughs> but whole game at its heart is a resource management engine building game. Oh, where... Hold up, Ed. You're going to talk about this game now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was the point. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're trying to you know, build an engine and gather resources. And obviously, in order to get the, the engines, you need the resources. So one thing you can do is pull a tile off and then get the resources off the top. And if you get the right set of resources, you can then repair a machine and get points and activate the ability it does. And mm-hmm. some of these abilities are nice in that they allow you to activate another thing on the board. And some of them are not so nice in that they say, oh, that's a nice resource you have there, Mikey. I'll take that. Oh, yeah. Or I'll just mm. blow up all of one of kind of Ed's resources and he has to throw them all mm-hmm. away. and that's very necessary in this game especially in a one-on-one because you can't let the other guy just get away with poking you in the eye you got to get him back (laughs) it's an interesting thought because the backstory actually is starting to make kind of sense in the game there there's two apprentices vying to become the next master in the Mm -hmm. dream factory and all this crazy stuff is going on because (laughs) it's the dream factory and the Mm -hmm. stuff is pretty crazy too like if you plan it out well you can chain a whole bunch of things together for a really solid turn. And I think that the gears being part of an important part of the visual of this game makes mm. the combinations of things that you can do with the cards more interesting and thematic. And it's a race 
too. So it's not like, oh, I'm just going to you know, plot along and try to get them. No, no, you got to be the first one to get the 20. Mm-hmm. No, if no, I have a way to get the 25 next turn. It doesn't matter if, if Mike could get the 20 now. Kind of what you're going for is being the first one to one of the five cards or six cards that's showing at a time. And they're different mm-hmm. things like be the first one to spend two blue resources on a thing to repair it or mm-hmm. have oh, okay. one of little, each resource, yeah. little mini, but they're, they're worth, that's where you get the main bunch of your points for the end of the so game. So it's basically like using things that'll impress the old man, like he's making a little, <laughs> yep. he's making little notes on it or something. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, that was yep. cool. Yeah, you can uh-huh, you picture uh-huh. him in his head going, ooh, I didn't see that coming. You know? Right, right. <laughs> so there's some symbology on these cards, guys. Was it complicated? Was it easy? How was the symbology? Well, we played on Board Game Arena, so the rules locking helps a lot there. Yeah. And as you can hover over it, you get the tool tips and all that. So we were able to piece together what was going on despite not really reading the rules that well ahead <laughs> right. of time. There was no video for this game practically yep. at the time we're looking. And uh, it's also interesting that you're setting cards into this machine, and depending on how and when you use them, they can like slide down this conveyor belt and burn up and be gone. So <laughs> mm-hmm. the other player might just do something just to get your card that you really want to do next turn to slide into the burnout conveyor belt. Don't forget, Mike, there's it says right on the cover, 352 years of good and loyal service at the Dream Factory. <laughs> wow. This guy wow. has wow. all been this one guy. He's survived this long because of all the, the cybernetic parts he has to keep him alive. Yeah. That's why he's wearing 15 <laughs> pairs of eyeglasses. <laughs> and then goggles on his head. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Nicodemus. I mean, Nicodemus. <laughs> Ed? This game has a steeper learning curve compared to the others due to its theme and its mechanics. But I, I let them learn how the machines work. I saw potential for combos. So I'll dig into this dream again to explore those options one more time. Mike? Ed kind of hit one of the points that's really important to me, which is combos. This game offers you a lot of different ways to stack combinations of interesting results, and that's something I love in a game. I'll, I might play it again, um, so I'll give it a tentative dig up for now, but I'm hoping I understand the rules a little bit better next time around. Mm-hmm. Intriguing. Does the oddball dream art draw you in, or does it creep you out? <laughs> Let us know. We are at which game first. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the exploring you're doing, Game Explorers. Reach out to us on any social media. We are at which game first, or join us on Discord. And if you would like more perks and content from our show, including our exclusive patron-only podcast called... Bonus points. Bonus points? Just go to our website and click on Become a Patron today. Happy gaming, explorers. Yes, what's the last said? Science! Clickety-clack, clickety-clack. <laughs> <laughs>